Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome to another episode of Liberty Session. And this week, you're actually not getting just a business lesson. You're getting a lesson in tea drinking and a little bit of information on something that I'd never heard about, which is cheese tea. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Jenny Zhang is with us in uh, the studio today. And Jenny, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Little Fluffy Head Cafe? So Little Fluffy Head Cafe is not like any other tea shops. We're actually selling specialty drinks. By specialty specialty drinks, we mean cheese tea. So if you haven't heard of cheese tea, oh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a refreshing tea base with whipped cream cheese top. Okay, so it's not it's not like when we think of cheese, especially in America, it's not like a hard cheese or a cheese that we'd put between a sandwich. It's more like a cream. Yes, it's okay. more like a tea latte, but instead of the foamy top, we swab it out and then put in a thicker layer and it's with a little bit of cream cheese in it. Okay, who doesn't mm. love that? <laughs> Where is that from? What's the origination of cheese tea? Where did that come from? I believe cheese tea started with you know Taiwanese street vendors. Okay. Um, and then once it get to mainland China, a lot more high-end tea shops start to um, play around with the cheese tea and then come up with a more... I guess, a more event version of the cheesy. And that's how it got started and it became really popular among the Chinese population uh, for the last recent years. Okay. Is it popular amongst both the young and the old or does it seem to be really popular amongst kind of, it sounds like it's a really trendy, cool thing right. to be drinking cheese tea. I mean, my dad buy cheesy every day when he heard about the, you know, when he tried the cheesy. So I guess it's popular among both the younger and, and the, the older. older generation. And so what made you think I'm going to bring this mm-hmm. to downtown Los Angeles? Um, I guess it's when I first heard about cheesy, my first reaction was like most people, what is cheese tea? Why would you put cheese, like a block of cheese <laughs> in tea? You yeah, know, it yeah. doesn't sound delicious until my friend dragged me to to try the cheese tea. And I've just felt in love and like all at once. And back then, no one had heard of cheese tea in the States. So back then, give us some a uh, year. Probably 2015. Okay. 2015. Okay. So it was about three years ago. And... I always wanted to open my own proper little coffee shop or tea shop. So having this concept of cheese tea coming to my mind, I was like, I got to bring this, you know, concept back to the States and share it with my friends here and the neighborhood. And when you were thinking about having a tea shop or a mm-hmm. coffee shop, right. was it, I really want to do this entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. And then cheese tea was sort of like, oh, this is the thing I'll bring. Or was it the cheese tea that inspired the, I want to have a coffee shop. I, th- I think you said it, that you always wanted to have one, but yeah. I just want to be real clear. Right. Okay. It's more like I wanted to have a small business running, 
and then there's this cheesy showed up. Okay. Because I at first I was thinking about having a tea shop or a small business shop after I retire. Uh huh. Um, selling just tea Okay, drinks. for those who yeah. aren't here, you don't know that she's nowhere near retirement. Jenny's <laughs> really young. So you kind of swapped that and Swap said, I'm going to do that right. on the front end. Yes, okay. because of the cheesy concept. It's so innovative. And I just feel like people is going to love the concept. So bringing something like that to an LA audience, mm-hmm. you have to also be mindful of right. kind of the health um, the, the healthiness of right. a cheese tea. Mm-hmm. What qualities does it have in terms of coming into a market right. that's really saturated with right. a lot of these beverage options, including right. juices and things? Mm-hmm. What does the cheese tea have? What did you think it was going to offer? The deliciousness or were there also health, health benefits? I think for us, we're always thinking about having the freshest cheese tea in town. Okay. So when making the cheese tea, we locally source all the ingredients and make with real cheese, not cheese powder, and then milk. And then all our teas are imported from Asia. Okay. And just giving you this authentic cheese tea taste from Asia. So I guess that what differentiate us from other tea shops, not because we sell teas, but because the qualities. Okay. Um, and we do... Notice that there are a lot more people, you know, starting to think about, you know, health benefits, thinking about, you know, vegan options and stuff. So as we grow, we kind of develop more res- um, new items on the menu. Probably later on, we'll have like a vegan cream cheese option and then have non-dairy milk teas. So we are actually growing with the LA people. With the trends. With the trends. And so if it's uh, all about the teas, then it it's not just all about the cheese portion. Right. You can expand that. You've created something that allows for that sort of expansion. Yeah. Well, like we have not just tea. We also have matcha tea. Mm-hmm. Matcha tea is good sure. for its sure. health benefits. And then you can order it with the cream cheese or you can just do it without the cheese, just the matcha. Okay. So right. that that is an option. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you had talked about maybe wanting to do this when you retired. Mm-hmm. So, and then you fast forwarded because you liked this concept. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you wanted to do this entrepreneurial thing sort of full time? Was that what you were going after or did it interrupt some other life endeavor mm-hmm. that you were doing? Right. I, I, I graduated from UCLA back in 2016. Uh-huh. Back then I was working in this uh, tea shop and I really liked the environment where I, while I was making the drink I got to talk to customers okay. got to know them and that's how I started to question about whether I want to go directly to the to the field of bioengineering right, right after I graduate and trying this cheesy getting know getting to know about this cheesy got me to decide that oh I want to be an entrepreneur I want to start you know being more adventurous. Yeah. That's a big leap from bioengineering. Right. How did your parents feel about that? They have been supportive all along. And that's that's actually how the name Little Fluffy Cafe came about. Um, Because my mom gave me this um, birthday, um, uh, this gift on my 18th birthday, and it has my little face on it, and I call it Little Fluffy Head. And because my mom has been always so supportive of any decision that I make, mm. so I named this cafe Little Fluffy Head Cafe. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. I bet she loved that. That's very sweet. 
Um, when you think about things like recipe development mm-hmm. and the combinations of teas, mm-hmm. does that have anything to do with your background? Like what if what is the work that you were doing in undergrad? Right. How is that informed what you're doing now? Is there mm-hmm. any is there any connection? I guess one thing that's really relevant is that when I'm trained as a bioengineer, I always have to list out the procedure, how I'm mm-hmm. going to oh, right. execute an a, a experiment. And when I'm coming up with recipes, I have the same kind of mindset. Yeah. I will put down, this is a list of the ingredients I want to try. Yeah. And there's a list of ingredients that I've tried and then it's not working. And then it's really similar. If you look at my um, old drafts, it looks re- just similar to like a lab report. So I guess that's one part that's really so relevant. So you have been able to util- utilize that. I was also thinking yeah. as you were saying that, if you read in um, the the history, the story of Starbucks, right. there's a lot of conversation about... Mm-hmm. Not just the recipe, but right. a lot of conversation about how they created this almost quality control as mm-hmm. they were training baristas and yes. how it was very, it was a, this very linear thinking. What, right. we're, what we're doing is creating community. What we're doing sure. is mm-hmm. r- relating to people. But it's in this very um, specific, organized way that everybody knows they need to do this and they need to do this and they need to do this. And as you were talking, I was saying, there's a recipe even Mm -hmm. for building that community that you so enjoyed Mm -hmm. when you were in college. Right. Even that requires that sort of um, discipline of your, you know, not only of you, but Mm -hmm. of the staff that you create. Have you had to develop sort of here's how we serve milk tea or here's how we tell them about the, 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 how authentic it is because you talked about it's we really have something that's coming directly from Asia. It's very right. specific. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to to do that in your training and to utilize that same sort of lab reporting mm-hmm. in, in that work? Yeah, definitely. If you walk into our store, you will see that there's like all different kind of um, spreadsheet on the wall telling the staff, you know, this is step A, mm-hmm. this is what you're going to do. Step B, this is what you're going to do. Everything is all organized into a, a, like a, you know, really organized way. Because I believe that when it's, because as we ha- make more drinks, people get, I guess you need to be more detail oriented. That's how you will be able to make every drink identical. Yeah. Right? And then that becomes really important going mm-hmm. back to the Starbucks model when right. you scale. If mm-hmm. you open a second, third, fourth location, it has to be exactly right. that way. Mm-hmm. So people know that they're getting the authentic or the original right. milk yes. tea, mm-hmm. the, the, the little fluffy head milk yeah. tea. Is that something you hope to do to expand? I, I Definitely we wanted to expand after probably a year or two. Mm-hmm. But right now we're focusing on just the first location. Sure, of course, getting right. that exactly right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And would expansion naturally be more locations or could expansion be home delivery or something where if I live in Iowa and I want a little mm-hmm. fluffy head milk tea, would I ever be right. able to get that? Like what does expansion mean? It's not necessarily another store, right. although that's the most obvious. Right. We're definitely thinking about different kind of options. It could be just finding a second location. 
it, because even for people from LA, it's a little bit harder for them to get to downtown during mm-hmm. weekdays because of sure. the traffic, because the parking situation. So if we could open another location outside of downtown, then people from other community would be able to try the cheese teas too. Or we could come up with home delivery options. Right now we have deliver- delivery options with Postmates and Grubhub, but right. those are still really limited because um, as the drink are made, they need to be consumed within half an hour. Otherwise, okay. the cheese start melting. Okay. So even you have Postmates. It's like a or, shake or an yes. ice cream concept in right. terms of you have, to, you have to consume it right away or the texture right. changes and the quality is now different. Yeah, so that's why we are trying to see if we can come up with, you know, it, even uh, whether a better delivery option or a better location for be uh, be more accessible to other people. Would this be the kind of thing that could be a um, a truck? Like a could you have like a cheese truck. tea food truck kind of thing? Mm. Hmm. I think that would be a good idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I won't charge you for that. <laughs> okay. um, no, it seems like a very natural thing because mm-hmm. there's probably a limited amount of ingredients, right. right? If you think of how you could do that. And it seems like the kind of thing that people would just stand in line for because right. it's both a novelty mm-hmm. and it's refreshing and has all of those sorts of, you could have it at two o'clock in the right. day. You could have it during lunch, during mm-hmm. dinner, as a dessert, sure, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sort of dying that we haven't had one. Um, Elizabeth and I are going to commit to going mm-hmm. to get a, a little fluffy head cheese tea. So you talked a little bit about developing the tea combinations. So we're not tea connoisseurs. So right. tell us mm-hmm. how, how do you do that in a way that both pays tribute to the heritage of the you know, respective teas, but also teaches us something new about tea or does it mm-hmm. in an innovative way? Right. Like how did you come up with the recipes for, right. with, with regard to the teas? I mean, I, I normally just drink black tea and green tea before I started this tea business. And once I started this business, I got to meet with a lot of different tea experts and mm-hmm. they taught me how to what is the right way to drink tea? And if oh, you, what is the right way to drink tea? Um, <laughs> Teach us something. It's like drinking. It's like tasting wine. Okay. And you have to find a third taste from different kind of teas. Oh, so, interesting. so there's a complexity to the there's tea. There's a complexity to the tea. Um, for example, for black tea, different kind of black tea, you get it's it, there's this third taste of being minty mm-hmm. or being mellow mm-hmm. or. Or you could taste a little bit of honey. It, this all um, comes in play when I'm thinking of tea combinations, because I for black tea we chose one that's more having this mellow kind of third taste, uh-huh. because you want to we want if you want something to pair with cream cheese, this is such a milky kind of ingredient. Yeah, you want something more mellow, right? Uh-huh. That's how we kind of play around with like. Different kind of the, com- the combination. Teas. Yes. The teas. Mm-hmm. Are there flavored teas? Flavor. We have floral teas. Okay. But we so it's all yeah. pretty authentic. You're not adding a, there's not a raspberry tea or a, or is there? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> okay. So I feel like part right. of what I'm getting is something that is true to tea. Yes. I'm not just getting the flavor of the month. Right. So that's part of the staying authentic and staying sort of pure in the, in the tea world, but also a differentiator. I feel like a lot of things right now, it's like, well, it's mango or it's Mm -hmm. peach or it's whatever. And you guys are doing something that's more specific. Right. We're, we're trying to 
not use any artificial flavors mm -hmm. when making the drinks. So when we design the tea, we either use just traditional black tea, green tea, matcha tea, or we use you know, rose tea that okay. the flavor comes from the rose, but not syrup. Something that's yeah. added. Right. I love that. Was that all intentional? Trying to be not just authentic, but something that doesn't have artificial flavors, something that does he have health benefits. Is that a differentiator for you? Yes, I think that definitely is. Okay. I had said earlier milk tea, and I apologize, I mm. meant cheese tea, but mm. one of the things that we see in a lot of the milk teas is all of those opportunities for crazy flavors. And right. it's like, where is mm. this flavor coming from? Mm. Yeah. It can't be real, mm -hmm. right? There's They're not squeezing mangoes <laughs> back there. So, um, so that is a, dis a distinction that right. you offer. Mm -hmm. um, and then you talked about the trend in Asia specifically. Right. And then you talk about bringing this here to, to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. What do we need to learn, not just as Angelinos, but as Americans about tea? Like, mm -hmm. are you, it, are you bringing something from Asia to us? It's not just the, the concept of the cheese tea, but is there something in addition that we're getting so, for example, if if you go, there are some pizza places that if you go to, they're giving you a taste of Italy. They're giving you a history mm. of it or something. Then there, there there's some that it's very like, um, it's all about like the farm to table concept, but delivered right. in a pizza. Like, mm -hmm. what is the, what are you giving us that little fluffy head that um, is more about the Asian culture mm -hmm. coming into the U.S.? I'm curious. I guess for us, it's more like jumping thinking out of the box mm -hmm. we we serve tea but then we're not really emphasizing on just tea culture because we do use cheese in it so mm -hmm. it's more like a mixture of eastern culture with the western culture and i guess that's what the excite excitement yeah comes in and we do educate people uh what kind different kind of teas is but at the end of the day it's what people feels like yeah their experience their of experience, the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And then when you think about this is not necessarily an education in the American market of tea. This is of what cheese tea is. Right. Have you had to overcome that? Like even in the mm -hmm. beginning, you said it sounds like a block of cheese mm -hmm. and tea. That doesn't sound great. How have you been able to get people? Because it sounds like once they're in the door, they're sold. Mm -hmm. But how are you getting people in the door with something called cheese tea? Like, do you mm -hmm. have to educate? Is your marketing more about cheese tea is, you know, it's it's not a block of cheddar in your tea. Right. It's this or that. Like, what have you done to overcome that? Uh, for the first couple months, it was def definitely a little bit more difficult for us because when people heard the word cheese tea, they just walk by. Mm -hmm. um, they don't they walk past us and... They don't even want to taste the cheese tea. And as we you know, working with the media, trying to educate people, the concept of cheese tea, there's still having, we start having some, you know, early adopters coming in, trying the, the tea. And once they like it, then they're going to bring their friends. And then we also have, we always pass out samples on the street. Mm, for people that's to, a big one for Right, for people yeah. to try it first. So I guess as, as time goes by, right now we have more people just coming here because they know we're selling cheese tea, and they're they're coming specifically Sp for specific for that. cheese tea. Yeah, are other cheese tea <laughs> sellers calling it cheese tea? Is it like called cheese tea no matter where you go, or do other people call it something else, or does it not right. exist outside of you guys? 
I guess we. It was called because this is from Asia. It was okay. called in Chinese, and when I brought it to the state, I kind of just translated the cheese、yeah. tea. And because we've been, we keep pushing the concept of cheese tea, and now everyone's using the word cheese tea. <laughs> oh, interesting! So it's really something that you guys brought over,、right. directly translated,、yeah. and now people are like, "Okay, that's what it's called." So that's what we're going to use the same terminology,、right. and so. That's hard to、mm. be the first person to the game、mm-hmm. because then you end up literally paving the way and paying the way through、right. marketing、mm-hmm. for other people to jump on that. How、right. do you feel about that? I think it's. I think it helps every bis- cheesy business、mm-hmm. because as more people trying different kind of cheeses, they will be able to pick the one they like. I, I just feel like we, now we're building a cheesy community. It's not just our business. That's, there's a lot、mm-hmm. of wisdom in that、mm-hmm. for somebody who's saying so young that you're saying、mm-hmm. the if we can expand this segment of the market, no matter who、right. is selling it,、mm-hmm. we're all going to win. Yes, and then you get to be first. You know,、mm-hmm. you're first on the scene, so、mm-hmm. it's really important for you guys to get there and get the、right. name out,、mm-hmm. so that people associate it with Little Fluffy Head. Right, right.、Mm-hmm. How many other people in LA are selling cheese tea? Do you know? I believe that we are the only. Don't say any names. Okay, <laughs> don't say their names. I mean, I believe we are the only cheese tea shop in downtown LA. Okay, and then recently, I just saw two cheese tea shop popped up in Koreatown. Okay, and then I believe they're so it's、tea. even new, even within the American Asian market. It's still a new concept. Y- yeah, I、okay. think so. And then I believe NorCal has、uh, has has some cheese tea shops too. Okay. Okay, and what do you feel like if you had to guess where you'll be in a year?、Mm-hmm. What it? Where do you think you'll be in a year in terms of? It could be just growth, you know, more people coming to the shop. It could be being able to market something else like the vegan.、Right. Like, where do you see yourself in a year?、Uh, I would say we we will definitely working on developing more interesting combinations. It, whether different kind of tea base, whether with coffee or different kind of cheese, and then or coming up with more vegan options, and also be better at serving people, giving them better drinking experience. There's just a lot more room for still a big, a huge room for us to improve to grow.、Yeah. To grow.、Um, how long have you guys been in business? We've been open for about six months now. Okay,、mm-hmm. wow. So、mm-hmm. we we're getting you in the early early stages.、Mm-hmm. So we get to go through this with you, all、mm-hmm. the lessons that you're learning. I have a question.、Mm-hmm. Did you kind of about so you come here to go to college, right? And you decide to launch this here. Are、mm-hmm. your parents here in the states? Only my cousins are、okay. here. So was there ever any thought about going back home where your parents live? Because now you have two homes,、mm-hmm. right? And starting it there, or did you know you wanted to start in the states? I always know that I wanted to start in the states because I just feel like there's a lot more potential to grow here. Yeah. Because this is a, such a new concept, and also I feel like cheesy is more interesting in the state than in Asia because we have a lot more cheese options here,、yeah. a lot more ingredients for me to play around with. Oh, interesting! <clears throat> and then, so you also talked about co- maybe adding coffee. Is coffee a big part of the co- the cheese tea culture? So, are there cheese coffees? I don't 
believe there's any cheese coffee. Okay. I've heard that from one of our customers that there's cheese coffee in Colombia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> that, that, that but makes sense. not in Asia. So that's why I feel like once we bring the original cheesy concept here, we can start playing around with different kind of combinations, something that, you know, right. Asia doesn't have. It's it's funny because you think about bullet coffee mm-hmm. and how that sort of, you know, who would add butter to coffee? Mm-hmm. And it was like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then people were like, wait a minute, not only does this have health benefits, but it's actually not so bad. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like it's just overcoming that hump. And right. then, and, and there's, while some people I can imagine may have said to you, well, maybe don't call it cheese tea, call it something else. Right. It, there's something sort of compelling about, mm-hmm. no, no, it's really good. Like mm-hmm. it catches your attention. Right. And, and it's memorable. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to hang on to that. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional or was it just like an early oversight that worked in your favor? Oh, we're just going to call it what it dire- is directly translated to. And we're going to go with that. And we'll overcome those things through different marketing efforts, like tasting, right. having people taste. We actually have a, a lot of my friends trying to make me change the name because mm-hmm. cheesy doesn't sound delicious. Uh-huh. But then, like you said, I feel like the word cheesy, it's get what people thinking about, like whether yeah. good or bad. But it's it's something that they never heard of. If if I'm just calling it tea latte, then you probably would just think of it as just normal yeah tea latte yeah right. No, it's it's you know it's sort of it's somewhere in between a commercial that you like you can't get the tune out of your head right. whether it's good or bad. There's yeah. something really smart about mm-hmm. that. Or even when they say no no press is bad press, like mm-hmm. it really catches your attention right. and. I'm never, I'm never going to forget. Not right. only am I never going to forget about cheese tea, I'm very likely to go out and tell my friends, mm-hmm. have you heard of this? Have right. you tried this? We should mm-hmm. go try it. Yeah. And so it, it, it works in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for you for sticking <laughs> to your gun. So I'm, I, I really want our audience to get the benefit of this early six months where you are learning a lot of lessons mm-hmm. right now. And so we're going to sort of transition a little bit into mm-hmm. asking for your expertise as a business okay. person. So in this land of Los Angeles, where mm-hmm. we've talked about, there's so many trendy drinks, um, mm-hmm. especially in the tea, the matcha bars, the all these sort of things that are coming up. Mm-hmm. What, um, aside from calling mm-hmm. it cheese tea, what do you think you've done to make the brand stand out. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you know yet in mm-hmm. six months that you really right. have a loyal following. Mm-hmm. You might. You mm-hmm. might say, yes, we have repeat customers already mm-hmm. in this six months that mm-hmm. show up every Friday. They drive to downtown right. or whatever. But what do you think you've done really well to to stand out amongst all these warm beverage op- right. options that we have? Warm and cold, actually. Right. I guess for us, we really care about the whole experience not mm-hmm. just the drinks i think the drink is just a starting point like mm-hmm. serving good drink it's important to any kind of beverage business but also what's important is when customers see your signage when customer walk in when you talk to customers the whole experience come in to this whole package mm-hmm. that you're selling to uh selling to to the world so for us i we we often compare us to a lot of other boba tea shops and we one thing we found out that 
or something that we stuck out is that if I'm walking to another boba tea shop, most of the time it's more like uh, order and go mm-hmm. kind it of yeah. boba tea shop. I'm thinking of where my kids love to go and yes. that's exactly what it is. There's not even a single seat. I mean, you go in and you go out. Yeah, and then we're trying, uh, w- one way we want to try to stand out is that having this great experience when people walk in, we talk to them and then it's something that I learned when I was working at the other tea shop that you want to enjoy talking to customers. Mm. That will just make everyone happy, make the vibe better. Yeah. And it's a place for community. A place which for in community. a place like Los Angeles, right. you can be sorely lacking, you know, yeah. a place to just have that sort of connection. Right. Um, and would you say that you guys have made that such a priority that the audience, your consumer, your customer is really starting to feel it? Uh, definitely. When we first started, we get a lot of complaints for different kind of, for different aspects because we're so new to the business. Sure. Even that we, our intention was good, it, it got mistranslated somewhere in the middle. And so we're always trying to improve on customer service and, mm-hmm. and just creating this better drinking experience. So right now when people walk in, there's a lot more compliments compared to just no bad reviews in the beginning so i think that's something that i i could say that that's something that we we successful in yeah <laughs> that's awesome mm-hmm. okay first of all thank you mm-hmm. for being so mm-hmm. honest about that a lot yeah. of people wouldn't be willing to share that and i think that's what's going to be so helpful for our listeners to mm-hmm. learn that can you mm-hmm. share a little bit about some of the things that maybe were miscommunicated to right. the consumer or maybe you where you had good intentions and then you said this is not translating and for whatever reason uh, i guess one good example would be that, you know, sometimes we have customer walk in here and they will ask us, oh, what is good? And for our staff, they were thinking that oh, all the drinks are really good yeah, for we them. we don't make anything uh, bad. Yeah. So our answer would be like, everything is good. And I mean, depends on what you like. But then we have customer that got really upset because they were thinking that I'm here to ask for advice. But then you're giving me a more generic answer. Mm-hmm. It's not something they're looking for. So I guess that's a miscommunication there. And then also sometimes when people walk in, they wanted a matcha tea, uh, and but then they're calling it green tea somewhere else. So when we make them the drink, we, because we have we actually have actual green tea and right. matcha tea. Right. So there's a miscommunication in terms of ordering. Right. And it's just little things that we we need to fix. And it's that's really interesting too, mm-hmm. because even that culture, right. the, the green tea culture, the matcha culture right. is still really new. Right. Uh, those people who've been doing it for years and were doing it a million years mm-hmm. ago, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about more as a trend and a mm-hmm. place to go pick up like an iced beverage right. or a warm mm-hmm. beverage. Um, and so you have people who are, who themselves aren't educated enough to know what they're ordering, your employees are taking them at face value and saying they ordered a green tea. I'm going to go get them a green tea mm-hmm. when in fact they, because matcha is green, right. yeah. mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. they were ordering, they they thought they were getting a yeah. matcha because mm-hmm. the cheese tea makes them think of the creaminess of a matcha. Like I yeah. can see where it could be confusing. Right. And where they're coming in to get a very specific experience from you because I don't right. know what cheese tea mm-hmm. is. So yeah. how did you overcome that? What did you do to check? Because now you have to look at your employees and yourself and say, right. what are we going to do to overcome this 
this hump or how are we going to communicate this differently? What did you do? We always accept our our mistakes and then think of ways how to improve it. Instead of giving out generic answers, we're trying to at, uh, get better at explaining the drinks and be able to at least come up with one drink for people who are be who won't be able to decide what they want and also um, educate people more about what cheese tea is and I guess just better at talking. Yeah. Right. And then that ends up also building that relational piece that you mm-hmm. so want that's so right. important to you. Right. When you ask them what they, um, wh- or when they say like, what's good or mm-hmm. wh- what do you do differently? Like I can imagine if I came in, mm-hmm. I would want you to ask me like, yeah. well, what do you generally mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. And then maybe associating that with something that you right. say like, oh, yeah. I'm a real, f- I'm a fan mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. lattes, coffee lattes. So then you would say, oh, if you like that, you might like this yeah is that sort of what you're doing yeah we we kind of um kind of categorize our drinks into three category Mm -hmm. if someone comes in as what's good we we will kind of just tell them the three big categories like if you are coffee head we have black tea that is strong so that's something you could try and then if you like milky like milkshake then we have milk tea that's really similar to that and then if you want to be adventurous just get something that's really exciting with matcha with cheese in it. Would you like to try that? So then when people come in, they have this concept of, oh, this is the three big categories. And then, and then they're going to choose from. Which is just, I feel like you're reciting some sort of business lesson because I think it is often we we want to give so many customers so many things and we right. want to be all things to all people. And right. we don't realize that mm-hmm. it can be both confusing and it can actually... Um, yeah. backfire. Right. And when it's, and what we're trying to create is this awesome experience. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is not only confuse right. them, but it's like, I'm not coming back yeah. here. It's too many choices. Like right. you think the customer wants lots of choices. Yeah. And that's in fact, not, they want three, they yeah. want four, you know, <laughs> they want maximum two colors, right. two styles, mm-hmm. two, you know, three sizes. That's right. it. Um, so that's, that's a good lesson, not just in the offering, mm-hmm. but it seems like in general, as mm-hmm. you go forward, you'll be able to take that lesson into other things that mm-hmm. you expand on. Like, okay, remember the three, the three rule right. of giving them these three general options. And then within that, there's lots of other choices. Yeah. I mean, we, we're always really thankful for the people that giving us advice. That's how we've been able to grow so far from the first mm-hmm. month we opened to be honest i feel like the first month we opened it was <laughs> really it was the first month it was the first <laughs> month i would just say that it's a, it was the first month yeah so we're really thankful for all these customers that's awesome mm-hmm. well you have um a unique ability i can tell mm-hmm. already and mm-hmm. i think our our listeners can tell to listen to that advice mm-hmm. and that will separate you and you know, it seems like a really simple thing to do, but often I don't think people listen Mm -hmm. to advice from the customer. I think they feel like they have to defend why they do what they do, Mm -hmm. which sometimes has a place too, but it's so smart to listen and respond and Mm -hmm. listen and react. Right. Um, Especially when multiple people are saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. So um, you and I chatted briefly before we started Mm -hmm. this podcast about this, this idea that 
milk teas, cheese teas, boba teas. This is a real kind of millennial phenomenon. Right. And um, I'm wondering if you're like, yeah, we're going to go for it with mm-hmm. cheese tea. We're going to we're gonna stay in that right. lane. Or you talked about your dad drinking mm-hmm. cheese, cheese tea too, but are you hoping in Los Angeles to expand to reach a wider demographic? What's your, what's your advice on, well, tell us what you're doing and then what's your advice right. maybe to, to another way of doing things or to follow the way you're doing things. Right. I guess what's special about the millennial is that they post whatever happens in their life on mm. social media. And that's one of the greatest right. marketing tools for business. So if you could get their attention to start off, then you have this great marketing, you know, tool. Machine. W- machine just, with you, yeah. yes. And then you could think about, you know, expanding your demographics to yeah. other people. I guess that's more for, you know, come up with different type of beverage that sure. can still, uh, that's good for, you know, from kids to, you know, older people. Right. right. That's interesting too when you, so we talked about the opportunities for expansion mm-hmm. for you. Right. And let's say you did something that was a delivered mm-hmm. tea that you figured out a way to keep it cold or to keep it at the whatever temperature it needs to be so right. the cheese wouldn't mm-hmm. melt or whatever. Then I could see at that point that becomes important to really reach out to a, a perhaps older demographic, somebody who has more money, somebody who's more organized about a schedule of ordering things, right. whereas a millennial might not order a month's worth of cheese tea <laughs> or whatever, right? right? Or have a cheese tea party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. You've sort of captured the market that means the most to you right now mm-hmm. in terms of we got to get our voice out. We yeah. are the message out that we right. exist and that this mm-hmm. is good. So we're going to focus on millennials. Mm-hmm. But you're not saying necessarily that at some point you couldn't expand that demographic. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's, again, that's smart for people who are listening to say, okay, I don't know who I want to be talking to, mm-hmm. but I I might have to think about what is the product that I'm selling and how does it affect those different demographics right. and how mm-hmm. does it include and exclude people and right. for what mm-hmm. for what reason? Yeah, definitely. Is this all intentional or are you sort of like, it's working, mm-hmm. we're going this way and it's right. working and you're, or do you feel like you're making adjustments as you go? We're definitely making adjustments, but then that's also something we always wanted to start off with because... As myself, I always go to places based on the pictures I saw on Instagram because they just look good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then and then if I think they're good, then I will, you know, bring in more friends, maybe my parents. And then once my parents go to this, you know, go to the places and they really like the food, they will talk to their friends. I guess that's helping the business to expand its demographic. Okay. So now we're talking about the group of people you want to attract, right. and, which I think the, the the food truck is really good for millennials too, because <laughs> okay. they would post where you're going to be yeah. next. Um, but um, let's talk about the, the way you've physically created this space to mm-hmm. attract those people so that they can take pictures. It's almost right. like you've made it Instagram worthy. Talk mm-hmm. about the, the decor of the, of the actual location. So I actually work with three designers to come to to come up with the 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 store uh at first i was working with a graphic designer so we can create this minimalistic kind of branding Mm -hmm. and then we have this if you see our store we have this black and white terrazzo floor Mm -hmm. that's going to be something stand out um and then neon signs yeah that's what's good for instagram right and so we have 
three neon signs in the store and then we have a mirror. Um, and that's just are some of the elements I think will attract people to take pictures. Absolutely. Right. There's a, have you heard of Mr. Holmes Bakery? Yeah, they have okay. the neon sign. Yeah. yeah. And it says I got baked in, yeah. in LA or wherever right. the location is. I just imagine people go get a single croissant mm -hmm. just so they can go take a yes. picture under that <laughs> sign. So good for you for thinking of that. And there are people that aren't millennials. My mm -hmm. husband took a picture under that <laughs> sign with our kids, which was so weird. But mm -hmm. um, um, so, so you really have played into the we're going to focus on marketing to millennials. We want to be Instagram worthy. We're not only creating a product that's Instagram worthy, we're creating an environment that's right. Instagram worthy mm -hmm. because we are a location. Right. We're not just something that you can order online. So we right. really need to draw them in. Have you thought about when you went into downtown Los Angeles and for those listeners who are not here, and we know there are a lot of you because mm -hmm. we just found out we're in 50 countries, this mm -hmm. podcast. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. So downtown Los Angeles um, has really gone through this crazy sort of resurgence. Definitely. And it's like, I mean, it, even pockets of it that feels super developed right around the corner is something yeah. that's very undeveloped. Mm -hmm. What was it about being in downtown Los Angeles that appealed to you when you thought of the demographic you wanted to mm -hmm. reach and you thought of LA is such a weird place. Like mm -hmm. people are, it's like a, it's a compilation of a bunch of neighborhoods. Right. So why did you pick this one area? And do you think it served you well to be in downtown LA? I, there are a couple factors that I thought about. First, mm -hmm. it's the rent. That's like the, yeah. Um, the practical factors, um, the rent here, because this is my first business. I wanted to be as, less risky as possible sure. so if i could start up with cheaper rent even though i felt there won't be too much of a financial loss to me and downtown la since it's already it's only been starting so the rent wasn't as high as yeah. developed communities such as beverly hills sure silver or lake santa monica, or santa monica. Yeah. so that was the first um thing i thought about but then also i think downtown community is a little bit different than any other communities mm -hmm. in LA like people in downtown likes to walk mm -hmm. probably because of the parking situation yeah. but also that brings people closer together yeah. and the people here are used to a mixture of different things like yeah. you said one side is developed the other side it's underdeveloped so they're already used to this kind of mixture of feelings mm -hmm. and they're more acceptable to different kind of concepts mm -hmm. so I I guess that's also something it's good for us since we're bringing such an innovative concept to the city. Um, and also, I just feel like because downtown LA is growing so fast, even one year before we opened the store, there's only us. Right now, there's four stores opened right after us already oh, wow. on the same block. Where are you guys? We're on 7th and Spring. Oh. Yes. So we opened right after Little Damage, yeah. the yeah. black ice cream shop. Yeah. Yeah. And then after us, there's a ramen place. And then there's this uh, sushi burrito place uh -huh. opened up. Yep. So it's definitely growing so fast. And it's interesting, too. I wonder if the downtown culture automatically, you talked about being innovative, they can mm -hmm. grasp innovation right. in, a, in a, you know, in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if you're on the West side, like you have to be uber, uber healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and downtown, it's like, it, it's a lot, it's a, you're allowed to try things. In fact, we want 
you to try things. We want yes. you to mm-hmm. try a taco, a sushi mm-hmm. taco. We right. want you to try black ice cream. Right. You know, these stores that you're talking about that are right mm-hmm. around you. And and it's it seems like that was, whether you meant it or not, right. a really smart way, a smart place to have that be mm-hmm. your headquarter or your flagship store. Right. Um, and then also because downtown's so trendy, I feel like if something opens up in Beverly Hills from downtown, mm-hmm. then people in Beverly Hills will go, but it doesn't necessarily work the other way right. around. Nobody mm-hmm. in downtown cares if you were in Beverly Hills first, <laughs> but people right. in Beverly Hills do care if you were downtown mm-hmm. first. You know, it's like, right. oh, that's cool. It's edgy. It's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good for you for doing that. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about the fact that you're with Postmates and Grubhub. How did you decide to to go into those partnerships knowing that you're they're mm-hmm. cutting into your profits. Right. Um, they're able to scale you because mm-hmm. you only have one like location. But what led you to that decision? Was it a good decision? Do you recommend our listeners, if they're in the food um, space, make that same decision? Or what does that depend on? I guess it all goes to um, listening to our customers mm-hmm. because we do have customers coming in here saying that, oh, this is too far. You know, I always wanted to try your teas, but if you could have a delivery option, that would be great. And we keep hearing the same kind of comments. And at the end, we just decided to start having delivery options for people nearby. And even though uh, Grubhub and and post may take a large portion out of ourselves. Sure. But we're happy that at least people would be able to try cheesies. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you're expanding your um, reach. It's like if if it was a mile radius. Right. Now it's a whatever that radius yes. can be. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what limitations they have. Do they have limitations? I think they Depends on what kind of food you're serving for okay. ice cream kind of food. I think it's like a 15 minute radius. Okay. Okay. But still, that's, so, yeah, that's a, ex- that expands quite a bit, especially as we talked about, you have in downtown the traffic issue, yes. the, mm-hmm. the parking issue. So it helps you overcome mm-hmm. some of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's nice. I, I'm not, I don't know what mm-hmm. your margin is. Mm-hmm. So, anybody listening, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with a, these aren't real numbers, but just from a formula point of view, like, 10 cents on 200 additional sales mm-hmm. is more than the 10 cents times 200 that would not have existed. Right. And mm-hmm. now you're in those people's like, consciousness. And yes. when they come downtown next time, perhaps they will be walking. Right. And yes, then you benefit definitely. from that, that, that profit margin. Right. So that's, that seems like it's smart. Is there anybody who's listening who you could imagine saying, maybe consider not doing Postmates or Grubhub because X, Y, Z. Like, is there is there a reason that somebody wouldn't do it? I guess well, from a sales standpoint, that's actually not as profitable as just having people walk in the door. Absolutely. That's something I think business owner will think about. Um, and also, there's some food just can't be delivered, even for our cheese teas. Sometimes if you shake it too much, the cheese goes into the tea. So then it kind of ruins the the, 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 the the flavor. So And if that's your first time having a cheese yes. tea, you mm-hmm. may be like, never mind. Right. So it's actually done the opposite. Right. So I, I could imagine people like other business owner having, you know, ice cream base of food. They probably wouldn't want to have Postmates or Grubhub to like to deliver their product. That's smart. That's smart. So a lot of it just depends on what exactly the experience you want the customer to have Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. it's delivered to them. 
So go back a little bit to the Instagram thing and Mm -hmm. the fact that you've decorated your space Mm -hmm. and the fact that you're relying on this millennial audience. Mm -hmm. What would you say has from a social media platform, and I even want you to get specific on the type of social media, Mm -hmm. but what do you think the role in general of social media has been in your growth? Um, I would say we, we have people coming in from Instagram Mm -hmm. and as they take pictures, they share with their friends. And if the pictures look good, then their friends going to ask them, Oh, where did you get the picture? That's Mm -hmm. how we have people keep coming back with their friends. Is it more than you expected or less than you expected? Because you did expect it, given that you decorated the way you did. You did, you were thoughtful about how are we going to market to these people and how are they going to use this space as an Instagrammable space? Right. Did you exceed what you thought you were going to do in terms of reaching out to those people? I think we have always thought about doing it this way. So it's more than, it's more like what we are expecting. But we're also working hard to expand the demographic. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the, the the millennial is just a starting point. Okay. And it's what's important is how we get everyone to try the cheese seeds. Right. And I think that's more than just putting up a couple neon signs. Yeah. There's a lot, lot more going into, you know, the marketing strategies and everything. Sure. What would you say to somebody who... Because we talk a lot about social media. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think too much. Sometimes I forget. I think we forget to focus on the business, the service, the product, Mm -hmm. the quality of what we're providing. And we think that social media is a silver bullet. If Mm -hmm. we just had enough followers, then 10% of those followers would convert into buying this product. Uh And then it doesn't happen. Right. So for some. Mm-hmm. So what would you caution our listeners to? They're getting this advice. They're like, hey, Jenny's mm-hmm. in the thick of it. She's right. doing it now. What would you want to say to them about be careful that social media, what? Right. Definitely. I think when whenever we're coming with a marketing strategy, we're always trying to be cautious. It, it's easily you could throw in $10,000 and then you just hope for the best. Yeah. And... Okay, stop there. Mm -hmm. I want to ask a very specific question. Okay. So when we think of social media, and I think you're about to enlighten us, Mm -hmm. when we think of social media, we think it's a free opportunity to connect. Right. When you talk about throwing money at Mm -hmm. social media, do you mean in being a sponsored post or do you mean in advertising costs outside of social media or do you mean spending money to make something social media worthy, like the neon signs. What is, where's that cost going? I would say the cost is more for like uh, putting on social media ads, like sponsored. Okay. Sponsored. Okay. So I think that's important. So when you talk about social media, you don't just mean Joe took a picture of a cheese tea and now you're hoping that Joe's friends all come. You're also doing your own very active outreach on social media. Yes. We're doing both. Right. And Whenever we're thinking about throwing money into social media, we always keep track mm-hmm. and we always do A-B testing. I think this is something I think it's a really helpful advice for business owners out there is that yeah, you got to tell us what <laughs> A-B te- I know what it is. Right. I happen to know, but you got to tell us what it is. And, um, I, and I bet you this is where your education mm-hmm. informs, you know, all this right. statistics that right. you've had to gather and all the data that you've had right. to put together. It's like, okay, this now translates into right. we have to figure out what the audience is doing, what we're mm-hmm. doing. So what do you mean by A-B testing? Because we 
we actually implemented a lot of different kind of marketing strategies. It could be just simply free Instagram posts. Uh, it could be you know paying ads, and then it could be uh, any other kind of marketing strategy that's paid. The way we do it is that we always start with just one thing at a time. And then the next month, we'll change to something else. So, and so give we'll, us some examples. So for example, if, if we, like for the first five months, we were doing an ad on Yelp. Mm-hmm. So then the next five months, we'll probably stop the Yelp ad, ad and then we probably will start the Instagram mm-hmm. ad. And then you will compare, compare this five months of data of just Yelp coming here to the people coming here from Instagram. All, of course, you have to keep track in the store too. Always sure. ask people, you know, how how do you hear about how do you hear about us? And then you have to keep track of all the data. So at the end, you will be able to compare which one is more useful before you throwing more money into sure. one of them. Sure. So I guess that's what A/B testing is like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that is helpful. A lot of mm-hmm. times we're like, oh, we are gonna spend this marketing budget on, and we diversify. And there's right. some there's some um, there's some smart things you can do when you diversify. But if you don't know which one of them are working for you, you don't need to diversify. You actually need to isolate which ones are working, take the ones that are working and then split up that pie once you know that. Um, Any clues so far in six months about which ones are really working for you? Uh, Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) I I believe that. I believe that. Um, And then tell us about I can tell you're super organized Mm -hmm. Um, and you've talked a little bit about developing systems for the employees and even for your recipes and things like that. What systems have you developed? What apps do you use? What software are you using that's helping you on the day-to-day business to keep up with business, to keep up with growth, to inform employees? Like what is your day-to-day? Because everybody's always wondering what are the resources that other entrepreneurs are, are using? I highly recommend Slack for the communication app mm-hmm. because you can create different kind of channels. And in our Slack, we have a suggestion channel for our staff. So whenever they see something that I haven't noticed, they can put it up on Slack. And mm-hmm. then if, sometimes if I have announced to Maze, for example, you know, this week we're giving out, you know, buy one, get one free. Uh, this is the promo code you, sh- you you can use on our POS system. I will put it all out on Slack too. So people will be able to remember. Um, and then also we use um, other app for task assignments. Mm-hmm. So I will assign tasks to different Do you know the name of that one? It's okay. Asana. We use Asana. Oh, okay, we, yeah. A lot of people love Asana. Okay. That's great. Okay. So that's been helpful mm-hmm. to just organize different tasks and to-dos. Yes. I would say just be organized. Yeah. Any kind of org- app that will help you be more organized. I think that's What good. about, so your retail establishment, anything that you've, that you really like using in terms of sales or accounting software, mm. anything like that that you've enjoyed? Uh, for our POS system, we use Toast. Okay. And I think we, we, we've compared Toast and Square. I think most coffee shops, tea shops, they use Square because yeah. it's easier. If, you, if you're thinking about something easier to change menu, doing inventory report, I think Square is a better option. But then if you want to collect data, for example, data from different kinds of people of how they like the distribution channels, how they hear about us, I think 
Toast, Toast is, is a more sophisticated system in okay. terms of collecting data. Oh, that's good. Okay, right. so we'll have all this. Elizabeth right. will include all this in the show notes. Right. That's a good one. Have we, we haven't heard Toast. That's We haven't heard anybody okay. talking about Toast, Toast, so that's awesome. Did you spend a lot of time researching kind of which one you were going to use? Probably Square came to mind first, and then you're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Let me see what the other options are. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of search on different kind of pure system, the goods and bads. I, I think... Both Square and Toast have their goods and bads. Sure. It depends like on everything. how you want to use the system for. Well, and it sounds like as a startup, truly right. a startup, that gathering that data of where did people hear about you and where they're coming from, that was important. And mm -hmm. if at some point Square becomes more efficient, right. you can do that down the road, yes. right? Mm -hmm. do, or do they make it easy to transfer from one to the other? Or do they make it difficult? We actually use both. Okay. So oh, whenever, you do? Yeah, so oh. whenever you, we have pop-up events. Okay, you use Square. We use Square. Yeah. Because that's way They're easier. So easy. Just swipe your, you, you just need to download the app on just your own iPad and it will be yeah. able to take payment. Yeah. And you'll use Square for that. Well, we use for Square the for that. For yes. the food truck. <laughs> for the food truck. Yes. For the food truck. Right, right. Right. And then for and then Toast we use it for in store only. Okay. Because we want to collect data. Okay. That's I love that. Mm -hmm. I like that you had the foresight to say data is really important to us at this point. Even if this is a more complicated system, we need it to be robust in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um and I think those are good questions to ask ourselves ourselves. I know a lot of times, you know, we have billing software that we're like, oh, it's cheap, it's easy, let's use that one. Right. And now we're really thinking about, oh, perhaps we should use one that's a little bit more sophisticated or right. can allow us to do XYZ. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And you grow with the company, right? The, yeah. the thing that you used initially might not be the thing that you need in in a year or five years from now. So I think that's mm -hmm. good to keep in mind. So um you've talked about a staff and you've mm -hmm. talked about how you've sort of um, re-educated them as you've mm. learned lessons about how the customer wants to experience the cheese tea, the the menu, everything. Right. And we always hear about how, how hard it is to hire staff mm -hmm. and how right. hard it is to keep them happy and, mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. What what is important to you in these very early years where it's really important to get that customer service thing right the first time? Right. What have you, and your budget is so lean, right? right? Uh -huh. it's, it's early on in the company. Right. What do you recommend we think about when we're doing those first few hires? What are we looking for? What type of person? Right. From the mistakes I made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Please. hiring people, I guess to know when I mean your standard interview questions such as like why would you want to work here and then what are your you know work experience and I think another important question that we ask right now is like what do you do in your free time mm. I think that tells a lot um what, okay I'm now I'm curious why okay because we you could have someone oh that says oh I like to hang out with friends you know I like to go party that means probably your employee is more likely to call in sick after weekends. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. they do yeah. they have hungover. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you want something you want someone who uh, it's um I would say someone who would be able to come in to work has a more flexible schedules. Yeah. Right. So that's something I I think that's a really helpful question. Um, what about from the customer service end? Like you right. talked about the need to adapt mm -hmm. to really learn how to pose a customer or right. pose a question to a customer to educate them about cheese tea. Right. Like now that you know that, who, what kind of person are you hiring? 
we want someone who like genuinely like our products because once you like the product, you will feel happy to yeah. explain it. And it becomes not you get. It's it almost natural. like you want people to be excited about it because right. you're excited yes. about it. So when we hire people, we'll ask them, "How do you hear about cheesy? Have you tried out cheesy? Do you like them? Yeah, you know." And then we ask these kind of questions as well. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Ha- has it become easier, or is it still six months in? You're still a lot, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of lessons, but have you have you sort of gotten the swing of I know what I'm looking for when I hire. Uh, I I think we're getting better at yeah. this. What's one mistake you would caution people besides the don't hire partiers? <laughs> any other any other thing that you would say really be careful to hire? Don't hire this or do hire this. Any wisdom there? Mm, I would say hire someone that's more professional than more emotional. Uh-huh. We will have people they're more emo- emotional. They are good as friends. But then once coming to, you know, professional work situation, they don't know how to handle it oh, because they're emotional and they, they, they take it personal. Yeah. So you want to hire someone that could be, you know, I guess it depends on like when you conduct interviews, you, the way they answer a question, you'll be able to tell a little bit whether they're, you know, a more, more yeah. emotional person or they're just here to work. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like because of your age, it's hard to hire I, that I pe- guess you, so, you need yeah. to like establish like I'm the boss I'm uh, not necessarily established that I'm a boss image but then but it's just because it's it's easy for me to be friends with them yeah because we're almost like the same age sure but then and you want to be friends we, we want, want that friend, environment for but work. then I don't want this to affect yeah. This person's job performance. So that's some sometimes it get confused. That's what yeah. happened before is that we have hired someone who's really good at, you know, just being friends with me. But then once there's something happened and yeah. we need to solve this professionally, then this person couldn't separate it from just being friends. So yeah. that probably means you then have had to create some separation too. Yeah. Yeah. We we need to be clear uh, clear that, you know. We can be friends after work, yeah. but once we're in the store, we need to be professional. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's. I think a lot of women actually, in an effort to, not that men don't experience this, but to hire friends to bring people into you know this world that's been created, they can they can fall into that. Like, right. oh, I'm gonna surround myself with all these people that I really like, mm-hmm. and then all these people that you really like might right. not have the skill set yeah. that you really need. Uh-huh. Um, although <laughs> I'm a big fan of hiring the person mm-hmm. over the the experience. Like, right. you can teach certain people things, or they can learn certain things. Hire good people. Yes. Hire really good people that are excited about right. what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I want you, because of this, you're in this real sweet spot. Mm-hmm. It's fun for our listeners to hear. And you're being so honest, which I love. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. But what, you know, there's so many women who are uh, considering entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the things that we really hope in listening to this podcast in particular is that we're going to really help them. There's no guarantees in entrepreneurship. There's no right. guarantees in life. But what are the things or what would you want her to know to better ensure success? Like what's the piece of wisdom that you would want to say when you start a business or if you're growing a business, be sure to do X or be careful to not do X or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of wisdom you'd love to to share with our listener? I would say if you have this idea in your mind, 
take action as quickly as possible、mm-hmm. instead of having the idea, you know, hang around. Yeah.、Um, like for example, when you're running a business and then when you're taking a shower, you got this really good marketing idea. You want to, st- you know, you, you want to execute it right away. Yeah.、Um, and then also, I would I would say just if you really like what you're doing and be passionate about what you're doing, I think at the end you will succeed. Yeah,、right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. Okay, so thank you for、mm-hmm. that. We're gonna do a little fun thing. It's almost、okay. like a game that we、okay. do at the very end. I'm gonna ask you six questions and just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. So, do you prefer a nine to five schedule or a flexible schedule? Definitely a flexible schedule. And is、mm-hmm. can you do that with your with your retail hours? Yeah, because we are open eleven to ten. Okay.、Oh, so I like to come and go, and <laughs>、yeah. then but then I will work late. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then、uh, for vacationing, do you prefer the mountains or the beach? Definitely mountains. Okay. <laughs> and、um, do you like working from home or an office? Working from home. Do you get <laughs> to do that a lot with the、um, shop? Half and half. Like、yeah. sometimes I will go to the office. Sometimes I stay at home. I can imagine that working at home for you is where you can really focus because nobody's around. Yeah. And if you're in the shop, it's like you're paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. But you're learning pressure, a lot from、right. like, the customers and the employees.、Mm-hmm. Um, do you like working alone or with a team best? With the team. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And why? Because then you have probably five more brains thinking, like solving、yeah. this problem with、yeah. you. That's a good way to look、mm-hmm. at that. And then、um, I always say this is the hardest question, but do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? Oh, it is a quite a difficult <laughs> question.、Uh, yeah. I would say Mexican. Mexican food. Mexican. Everyone's saying Mexican lately. Okay. Okay.、Um, does it have to be spicy or no?、Um, mild salsa. Okay, mild salsa. <laughs> okay.、Um, and then this. Um, podcast is called Liberty Sessions, and、right. our brand is is called Liberty. And、mm-hmm. everything that we're doing is really with an eye toward liberating a woman to consider what's possible and、right. to take action,、uh-huh. and through entrepreneurship,、sure. really,、mm-hmm. really、um, kind of discover herself and and serve people around her. What do you think it means, or what does it mean for you to be liberated? To be liberated means for me, it means that to have the freedom to. Express my opinion, but without anyone judging because、mm. my sexuality.、Mm. For example, if I have this opinion A, and then I say out loud, but then I don't want other people to think of me that oh, because she's a woman, then that's why she has opinion A. You know? That's right. It's right. just your opinion. It's, It's just Jenny's opinion. opinion, right? Regardless, right? Can I ask you another question? Sure. I normally don't、mm. do this. Do you see a big difference between、uh, the culture that you were raised in and the culture that、mm-hmm. you're in now, and、right. um, in terms of looking at that more feminine aspect、right. and、mm-hmm. and perhaps judging it, yeah, versus if you were a man, do you do you see a difference? Or are they the same in both cultures? They're just at different levels. I think they're similar in di- two different cultures, but different levels. And I, I do think the people in the states are generally generally more. Um, aware about、mm-hmm. the situations out there,、um, whereas in my Asian culture, people sort of already in be burdened by the concept that you know men take over the world for a、yeah. longer period of time.、Yeah. That it's l- 
less likely for them to bring up the issue. Yeah. And it sounds like your mom and her influence and her ability to support you and support Mm -hmm. your ideas has played a big role in you being able to say, I can do this as Mm -hmm. Jenny, not as a woman, but just as Jenny, Mm -hmm. I can do this. Definitely. I think because in our family, we're not like the traditional Chinese family. My mom actually um, lead the family. Uh-huh. Not my dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's, that's why like we have that here too. Go yeah. Ahead. So <laughs> so she she gave me a lot of courage of being a woman, being out there to just try different things. And to me, she always say that, you know, no matter what you do, it's always a life lesson. As long mm-hmm. as you learn it, yeah. th- then that's always good for you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your mom mm-hmm. was liberating you mm-hmm. at an early age. Thank you, Jenny, for your time. Thanks for being so vulnerable. I so appreciate it. And I know our listeners do too. And we, we can't wait to come on down and try some cheese mm-hmm. tea, right? Sure. Um, so Liberty listeners, we will see you all next week. Talk to you later. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.